It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Good to have you with us right here on the Locked On Redskins podcast. I am your host, Chris Russell. It is episode number 224. Yeah, 224. And away we go. All right, lots to get to on this episode. And we'll start with this, a little bit of breaking news, right? On Tuesday afternoon, uh, and it, of course, depends on when you are listening to this particular episode. And we don't care when you listen. We just want you to listen and download and share and subscribe and all of that good stuff. But on Tuesday afternoon, the Redskins officially announced, I think what some of us had kind of expected that former safety and special teams ace Kaishan Jarrett had been hired full-time as the Redskins' new defensive quality control coach. In a press release uh, issued to the media and on Redskins.com, Jay Gruden quoted as saying, Kaishan has, uh, was a valuable asset to our coaching staff uh, last season. He is a quality coach and a quality person. I have complete trust in him succeeding in this new role. Now, last year, what Jay is kind of referring to, he served as a defensive coaching intern, and he was primarily responsible for working with the nickel cornerbacks during practice and film sessions. So when we're talking about nickel cornerbacks last year, we're talking about Fabian Moreau for most of the year, Holsey uh, towards the end, uh, and some other guys mixed into that particular role. Uh, So again, you know, Kaishan Jarrett going to help out in a different capacity this year. That was as an internship, this a full-time role. So he'll be around all the time uh, and as much, of, of course, as they need him. And you might ask, well, what is a defensive quality control coach? Well, in general, in general terms, defensive quality control uh, helps with, you know, again, advanced scouting, uh, helps with uh, ordering what kind of tape cut-ups, they're looking at helps certainly in the outer edges of game plan, uh, certainly on-field instruction, helps individuals with tape review, all of that stuff. So it is a wide encompassing role. It is not just say, hey, work with the corners, work with the nickel corners, work with two or three guys. Now he's basically trying to help out the entire defense. But of course, it would be naive of us to think that Kaishan Jarrett isn't going to have a little bit more of a hand uh, in the safeties and in the nickel corners, again, after serving in that particular role last year. Now, who is Kaishan Jarrett, in case you don't remember the name? Well, sixth-round pick, 181st overall in 2015 by Scott McLuhan and the Washington Redskins. Again, McLuhan was running the draft at that point. That was his first couple of months as the team's general manager. He appeared in 16 games, five starts uh, as a rookie in that 2015 year. 57 tackles, 38 solo, four passes defensed, a forced fumble, and he was a special teams ace. Uh, And then came the regular season finale, uh, less than a week after, actually just a a week, more than a week, eight days, seven and a half days, whatever it was, uh, after clinching, the NFC East division title, right? Somebody's got to play. A lot of guys did not play in that final game at AT AT&T Stadium 
uh, in Dallas. And, of course, Kaishan Jarrett involved in a collision, spinal cord injury, and he was never able to play again. And that's just, you know, I remember in the ensuing months having a real bad feeling about it. They kept talking about, you know, the pain and the sensation and not being able to do certain things. And I, I, I wasn't sure, honestly, if it would lead to him never being able to play again. But it's pretty clear that being that he never returned and now with this position that, Again, his NFL career is never going to uh, be revived again, and that and that's okay. It happens. Uh, it it's a shame, quite honestly, because if you think about right, not that he would have been a lights out safety. I don't think a uh, little bit undersized, but he certainly could have been a good bridge the gap type safety with all the safety issues that the Redskins continue to have have had. Uh, all the questions about Monte Nicholson, right, on and off the field. Can he stay healthy? Can he stay uh, away from being a knucklehead for the trouble that he got in near Redskins Park uh, that was captured on video with TMZ, uh, suspended for the last two games of the season? We haven't heard anything from the NFL, so we don't know what his future is. Uh, then on top of that, Troy Apke, DeShazer Everett, again, guys that are not natural, uh, necessarily every down type safeties. I mean, DeShazer ever can play in spot duty, good on special teams. Troy Apke largely drafted for his special teams with the hope that his speed and athleticism would allow him over a year or two or three to develop into a good safety or a competent safety. And he couldn't even stay on the field last year to make an impact on special teams. So Kaishan Jarrett was the first guy that the Redskins organization uh, in this recent era, if you will, tried to, uh, draft to address not only the safety situation, but also special teams. Uh, and they got a really good rookie year out of him. I remember they lined him up in multiple different spots uh, and uh, different ways of attack. And uh, it was just, you know, beauty to, to beautiful to kind of see it all come to together and to see a plan executed and to see it all come uh, basically to a crashing end in a meaningless play of, you know, regular season game because at that time uh, the Cowboys were out of it. The Redskins had, again, locked up the division. They could do nothing to improve their status, and Kaishan Jarrett never played uh, again. So, uh, But it's great to see that he was rewarded by the organization, that he turned an opportunity into a coaching position, and hopefully his career will flourish from here. And who knows, four, five, six years from now, maybe you'll see him uh, as a defensive coordinator. Uh, first, he's got to, of course, go from quality control on defense to a position coach. Uh, maybe that might have to come from outside the organization. Who knows? Uh, but ultimately, Kaishan Jarrett uh, getting an opportunity here to turn uh, football tragedy into a really good story. And by the way, I think this is a great, great thing uh, for the Washington Redskins uh, to do, not only because he's a contemporary of the players, some players still in that building, that know him, uh, but also he wants to do this. He wants to maximize what the injury did to minimize his NFL playing career. So it's not like he's been a superstar and made $75 million. Those are generally the best coaches, the guys that are so thirsty and so hungry to work 100 hours a week to learn every little bit of their craft to get better and improve. Not necessarily bringing in guys that want to coach and think they can make a difference, and maybe they can, but have made so much money that they don't understand the life of a coach and the lifestyle of a coach and how that changes the second you, again, become a full-time coach as opposed to a player. Not to say the players don't work hard, but they get a ton of time off. 
both in season and certainly during the offseason, that coaches do not get, do not get, period. It's really hard to make that transition if you've been a superstar or an elite player. Kyshawn Jarrett, mostly because of injury, again, had his career taken away from him. Now he's turning it into a good thing, and the Redskins are giving him a great opportunity. All right, so we will end the first segment of the Locked on Redskins podcast, episode number 224. On a positive note, that note, Kaishan Jarrett, again, full-time addition to the coaching staff as defensive quality control. Uh, that's a great move by the Redskins. Good for Kaishan Jarrett uh, and really happy to see uh, that. When we come back, we'll get to a pretty scathing note from Peter King a Football Morning in America on Joe Theismann and, again, the continuing fallout of the number 7 and Dwayne Haskins as well. Uh, we wanted to also run past what we talked about on episode number 223 about some front office and scouting staff uh, rumors, and as well, the new head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers doing something that I think is pretty cool that a lot of people disagree with me on, uh, but we'll explain what that means, uh, plus some other stuff as we continue along on the Locked on Redskins podcast. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome back to episode number 224 of the Locked On Redskins podcast. I am your host, Chris Russell. As always, make sure you follow at Locked Redskins on Twitter, at Locked Redskins on Twitter, and as well at Locked On NFL Net on both Twitter and Instagram for all of our NFL team news and information from all of your local podcast hosts and experts at Locked On NFL Net at Locked on NFL Net on both Twitter and Instagram. All right, so away we go. We opened up with Kaishan Jarrett being added full-time to the Redskins coaching staff. Let's get into this and clean up something we talked about. Uh, I believe it was episode 222, so a couple of episodes again. And as always, you can check out the Embeddable playlist, which I try and tweet out uh, at least once a day. Uh, links to it um, off the Megaphone platform. Uh, that you can get all five recent episodes, or again, just simply by going to the menu, you can check out any episode uh, recently and really over the course of time that I've been doing this Locked on Redskins podcast. So Peter King of Football Morning in America writes an opinionated newsy analysis column, as everybody knows, and he took basically a bat to the knees of Joe Theismann, and it was kind of odd. Uh, saying, quote, I think Joe Theismann even seeming to suggest Dwayne Haskins had to kiss his ring before being rewarded with the number seven jersey in Washington is really weird and a little bit mindful of the emperor with no clothes. Would anyone think that a man with fewer passing yards than Steve Grogan and Jim Harbaugh with fewer touchdown passes than Earl Morrill and John Kitna with a lower career rating than Kyle Orton and Dave Craig, should have his number retired. Mark Rippon won a Super Bowl. Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl. Brad Johnson and Jeff Hostetler won one. Come on. 
The fact that Washington never gave Theismann's out number out for years after his gruesome injury is a nice gesture, I suppose. But it's silly to think he was an all-timer, the kind of player whose number should never be worn again. So that was Peter King in Football Morning in America. Pretty rough stuff there. Now, listen, Peter makes certainly some eloquent points. Uh, let's not lose that in the translation, right? He's basically comparing some quarterbacks from even uh, around Theismann's time, before Theismann's time, guys like Earl Morrill, uh, and then guy, more recent guys uh, like John Kitna and Kyle Orton, uh, clearly avoiding the comparables between the quarterbacks of now uh, because the game has changed so dramatically. And I would argue this, a couple of things. Number one, Joe Theismann's career was cut short, right? I mean, how many more years did he have left? At least one, two, three? I don't know how many more years he had left if he doesn't have his leg snapped in two by Lawrence Taylor on Monday Night Football and that gruesome, gruesome uh, injury, which have, unfortunately the Redskins saw basically a reminder of just last year with Alex Smith. Um, so that's number one. He would have had better numbers than ultimately he did and had. Again, I also think there is a difference. He's playing in a different era, right? He's playing in a, in an era that was much, much, much less quarterback, quote unquote, friendly, where they want to run the football three yards in a cloud of dust style and pound it down your throat. That's what football was then. Uh, Yes, of course, passing concepts, West Coast, all of that started to be incorporated and rolled in. We all know where Joe Gibbs came from, the Don Coriel offense, this, that, the other thing. Got it, got it. Not saying that Joe Theismann was all just run, 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 but when you have John Riggins as your your running back, what are you going to – you're not going to throw the football 35 times a game, right? You're just not going to do it. So, again, the statistics are a little bit out of whack. I get what Peter King was kind of going for here, uh, trying to compare a cross sample of certain guys on the lower end in terms of these career historical numbers and all that. What I would also say, again, besides the fact that Joe Theismann had his career cut short and, again, didn't maximize his ability and talent, is winning that first Super Bowl before Doug Williams and Mark Rippon won won each, each one, a Super Bowl, again, meant something different to the city of Washington, right, and to Joe Gibbs. And it propelled an era of largely of dominance without the one. And even though they came short, up short in the other, without the one, maybe two and three doesn't happen. Maybe that isn't essentially a dynasty back and forth with the Giants who also won a couple under Bill Parcells in that same time frame, right? So maybe without one, the others don't happen. We don't know. We don't know how different things would have been. The other thing that I would say is, to my knowledge, Joe Theismann has never denied anybody the opportunity to wear number seven, to our knowledge. Maybe he has in the past and we didn't find out about it. I don't know. Um The Redskins, as we mentioned a couple of episodes ago, have put Joe Theismann in this kind of weird situation. Either retire the number or don't retire the number. And it probably shouldn't be up to Joe Theismann. But out of respect, I guess, to Joe Theismann's legacy and what his career was is winning that first Super Bowl uh, in the Joe Gibbs era uh, and having his career snap short uh, or or stop short, I should say, 
it's kind of been an official, unofficial retirement tribute, what have you. And that's all fine and good, but now they had a problem. And now it makes Joe Theismann look like this headline-grabbing kind of weird guy. I don't know. Again, the Redskins kind of put him in a tough situation where they drafted a quarterback who wanted to wear the number seven. Joe Theismann explained it not only on 106.7 The Fan, but he also explained it on a radio station interview in Las Vegas where he basically said, hey, look, found out Dwayne Haskins wanted to wear number seven. I had a conversation with him, told him to think about it for a couple of days. Do you really want to get your career started off like this uh, with the pressure and the expectations and the controversy and whatever? Because it's turned out to be a bigger story than anybody could have probably realized. He said a couple of days later, Dwayne Haskins came back and said, yeah, I'd really like to wear the number. Fine, have it. Now, maybe Joe Theismann did not want to give it, ultimately. Um, If it was completely his choice, I'm sure he would have preferred a different number. But it I guess it wasn't. He didn't want to be a jerk. He didn't want that to certainly get out. He didn't want it to be a roadblock mentally, emotionally, physically, whatever, uh, to the Redskins' new quarterback. I guess he was impressed by Dwayne Haskins and his maturity and his outlook, whatever the situation is. And the bottom line is is the two of them settled it like men, right? So why is Joe Theismann getting whacked upside the head by Peter King and by some for thinking that he's greedy and trying to get back in that. The only thing I can think of is that maybe, and I don't know this, maybe Peter King and Joe Theismann didn't have a good relationship. It's possible, right? Guys sometimes are oil and water. Joe Theismann did Sunday night football before Sunday night football. When Monday night football was the big, big, big showcase, he did Sunday night football on ESPN with Mike Patrick and uh, Al, uh, not Al McGuire, Paul McGuire who I used to know up in Buffalo. And maybe they crossed paths enough, I'm sure they did, that maybe they just didn't see eye to eye. Maybe they didn't get along. Maybe their personalities were different. Maybe that's why Peter King took an axe to Joe Theismann in this particular statement. I don't know. I don't know what the the background is. It would be interesting to find out the next time um, anybody asks Joe about it. be very interesting to try and find out. All right. We will put that to bed, at least for now, until the next retort, until the next situation uh, comes our way. So we've covered Kaishan Jarrett. We've covered Joe Theismann and Peter King. We still have to get to Bruce Arians. You might be asking Bruce Arians. He coaches the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, he did something that leaked out on Tuesday uh, that I found out about that is interesting, that I wish Jay Gruden would do, that Jay Gruden is never going to do. We will get to that next as we wrap up shop here on the Locked On Redskins podcast, episode number 224. Thanks for being with us. Guys, it's Chris Russell here, the Locked On Redskins podcast. And, you know, it's hard to find a job, right? It's also hard to find qualified people that want a job and that might fit the job that you have as a recruiter, as a hire, as a manager, as a supervisor, whatever you might be, right? So we can all agree it's pretty hard to find a job, but you know what's easy? ZipRecruiter. That's right. ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on is the way to go. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. No, no, no. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people 
with the right experience and interview them, invite them rather, uh, to apply for your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter then analyzes each one, spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. It's effective. 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. How about that, right? Save time and get a good candidate. Right now, my listeners of the Locked on Redskins podcast can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. ZipRecruiter, the smartest. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Way to hire. All right, it is Chris Russell here back on the Locked On Redskins. All right, it is Chris Russell here back on the Locked On Redskins podcast. Uh, And I wanted to bring this story to your attention. The Tampa Bay Times uh, had this story, and it was sent to me uh, by a friend of mine. Uh, and uh, everybody kind of around here knows, I haven't talked about it too much here on the podcast, but everyone around here knows that it drives me absolutely crazy that the Redskins have a ping pong table uh, in their locker room. It drives me nuts. Uh, If you just Google Chris Russell and ping pong tables, you will see all sorts of stories, coverage of it, people uh, sending stories and tweets, and uh, it has just been a thing. Uh, it's more a bit, a parody type deal, but it is something that genuinely annoys the ever-loving you-know-what out of me. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm old school. I know this. Uh, old school coaches, and I know the game has changed, and I know locker rooms and cultures have changed. Old school coaches would have never, ever, ever, ever allowed this stuff in their locker room. I'm not saying that that's right. I'm saying that's the way I grew up. That's the way I learned about football, and I understand players and teams and society is different. I'm not asking to go Cliff Kingsbury style uh, where, uh, or or not Cliff Kingsbury style, uh, where some coaches have taken away phones or Cliff Kingsbury style where he's got to give certain social media breaks and all that stuff. I mean, I think that's somewhat creative and interesting, but... What I'm asking for is a professional work environment, right? Do you need a ping pong table in a locker room? How about we study our digital playbook a little bit more? How about we work out more? How about we do more body rehab, more therapy to get our body right? How about we meet with our coaches? How about we meet with our position group? I mean, football players are only required to be basically in the building on a typical day, about seven and a half, eight hours tops, which I know is pretty normal in terms of the amount of hours that most Americans work, right? Americans have it easy. They were 37 and a half hours, 40 hour week. That's nothing, nothing. On a light week, I might work 60 or 70. A light week. Most weeks is, you know, 80, 90. 
by the time I get done with everything. Now, I am a procrastinator. I'll admit I'm not the most diligent and time organized and all that. That, that is part of my lifestyle, right? Uh, but I'm always working, and coaches are always working. Do you think coaches are going down into a locker room and playing ping pong? Or that coaches have their own locker room and to blow off steam, they play ping pong? No. Most of them, to blow off steam, work out because it's the only half an hour a day that they can. Because they're at the facility from 5 in the morning until 10 o'clock at night, sometimes even longer. So the reason why we bring this up, besides, again, my documented history of not liking the ping pong table in the Redskins locker room because I think it adds to a too loosey-goosey culture and free kind of society and environment, which, again, is good when you're winning, is fine when you're winning. But when you're not winning, and certainly nobody can accuse the Redskins of winning enough games, it does rub people the wrong way. It does rub some fans the wrong way. It rubs me the wrong way, and I'm sorry about that, but I'm being honest. So I took particular note when somebody, uh, a friend of mine, sent this uh, from TampaBay.com that Bruce Arians has removed the ping pong table from the Tampa Bay Bucks locker room. Now, listen, I don't know exactly what his reasons for that are. I'd be curious to find out. Certainly, Bruce Arians a little bit more old school, but he is a progressive offensive mind. He is a pretty hip dude, right? Coaches, uh, players, my understanding, like Bruce Arians. So why is Bruce Arians coming in in a new organization with all sorts of job security and say, no, no, no. one of the first things we're going to do in terms of the culture, the locker room, the building, the atmosphere, and accountability is get rid of a ping pong table. Why is he doing that? If he thinks it's no big deal, why would he do that? Well, obviously, he doesn't like it. He thinks it creates, again, a culture, a certain culture that he doesn't want. Whether he's right or wrong, it doesn't matter. But here's how I look at it. Work is work. Look, I work at a radio station. We have some fun. You know, we we eat, we curse a little. You know, it's a very different culture than most. But I can tell you this. Here at 106.7, where I is my primary place of employment, if we were getting drubbed in the ratings, if we were losing every other ratings period or book to our competition, if we weren't in the top five, I guarantee you the culture wouldn't be as loosey-goosey and as free as it is for the most part here. I, I just, I, I'm just using my personal experience. There would be a lot more seriousness, and that would be appropriate. Instead, we're basically allowed to do mostly what we want, and certainly there is responsibility, and there is pressure, and there is management, and there is certain things that we cannot say and do and whatever. But the the greater point is, if we were getting our clocks cleaned or if we were mediocre, which certainly the Redskins at best can be described as mediocre over the last three years, right, and really poor over the last 25 years, we can just basically say, look, there would be no room or need or necessary reason to have all this relaxation and fun and games and all that stuff. It's time to work. You're at work, work. 
It's not like you're there 16, 17, 18, 20 hours a day. You're not. It's not like you're sleeping there. What do you need that for? So good on Bruce Arians. Good for him. I'm proud of you, Bruce. And go Buccaneers. <laughs> I'm teasing about that. But, you know, I'm just saying. Good for Bruce Arians. I like that. I wish Jay Gruden would do that. All right, that's going to wrap it up here on the Lockdown Redskins podcast. we got to get out of here. This is episode number 224. Thanks for being with us again. Make sure you follow at Locked Redskins, at Locked on NFL Net on both Twitter and Instagram, and as well me individually at WrestleMania621. And don't forget to check out the new Himalaya podcasting app. Personally curated playlists, you can download the Locked on Redskins podcast. And when you get in your car, don't forget to tell your smart speaker device, hey, play podcast Locked on Redskins. That's going to do it for us. See you next edition, 225 straight ahead. Adios. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 